Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 115. Today, we talk with a very special guest, Bruce Brandis. We talk with Bruce about the interdependent relationship between virtual care and in-person care and the important relationship that has to be understood for the future of healthcare. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Teresa Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. It's Tracy. And it's Michelle. What a great day. It was an excellent day. I know. You know, we've been uh, doing some batching. It's been fun. It has been. Yeah. And we batched with an awesome person today. Oh, we did. <laughs> we did. You know, I think it's it's so energy giving because we get to talk to a whole bunch of great people in a short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And today... Special guest. Yeah, today was a special guest. Today we interviewed Bruce Brandis, who's just a dear friend and colleague. And you'll hear how we just come in and out of each other's lives. And we're all doing really important work in the world. And we're very supportive of each other. And that will really shine through in our interview today. Yeah, it will. It will. He's just such a genuine soul. Yeah. And he's so knowledgeable. Yes. I mean, I'm just blown away about what he knows and understands you know, about the world of technology and healthcare, and it's just amazing. And he's one of the nicest people you ever meet. I know. Right? I know what's up with that. He is so <laughs> kind. He is very kind. He is so kind. You know when they say, be kind, that's Bruce Brandis. That's right, yeah. <laughs> he's the poster child for that. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about Bruce, and then we will roll right into our great interview with him. So Bruce Brandis has 30 years of experience in executive management and entrepreneurial thought leadership to build growth stage technology-based businesses in the healthcare industry. He currently serves as Senior Vice President of Consumer-Centered Virtual Care at Teladoc. Most recently, Bruce worked to simplify and accelerate and scale health system adoption of digital solutions as executive in residence at Avia, founder and CEO of Lucra, and was the managing director of Martin Ventures. Previously, Bruce supported the industry's transition to value-based care as, as executive vice president of growth and innovation at Valence Health and as Chief Strategy Officer at Sequoia Capital-backed Airstrip, he helped pioneer the introduction and widespread adoption of mobility in healthcare around the introduction of the iPhone. 
In the 1990s, Bruce helped lead the healthcare industry's migration from paper to electronic medical records at Eclipsis, which was later sold to Allscripts, and he began his career in sales and marketing with IBM. He has a long career, uh, he has a career long member of the American College of Health Executives. Mr. Brandis holds degrees in finance from University of Florida's Warrington College of Business and an MBA from Loyola University. He currently serves on the board of advisors at several innovative companies and mentors future leaders as entrepreneur in residence at the University of Florida Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Wow, what a background. Wow. No wonder he's so knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> that explains he's that. Earned it. <laughs> so without further ado, here's our interview with Bruce Brandis. Well, welcome Bruce Brandis to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, and we are thrilled to have you as a guest. Yeah, we are. Well, Michelle and Tracy, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. I you know I've been big fans of both of you for quite a while. So uh, this is really special for me to get to be part uh, of, of this whole this whole journey that you're on together. Yeah. Yeah, we were laughing that we just have a mutual fan club between the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> we love you and you love us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought just to start, we just could banter the three of us just on, you know, our unique journey and how we keep coming in and out of each other's lives. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I'll just start, you know, I met Bruce um, when we worked for Eclipsis. Yep. And that was back in the early 2000s, and it was such an exciting time for Tracy and I and our team because we were partnering with a technology company for the first time. And uh, one of my roles was to support the sales team, and at that time, you were a sales executive. And uh, I just remember learning so much from you and just you were so awesome and warm with the clients, and we had some big wins together. (laughs) So that's my first memory of Bruce Brandis. We did. Well, I I tell you what, the fan club is very much mutual because I remember those days very well, Michelle. And I remember, first of all, being uh, I've always been a fan uh, with great appreciation for the importance of the profession of nursing. And when I met you and I and I met Bonnie and understood the work, uh, her life's work and and what you've carried on with her, it, it all of a sudden made the technology that I was representing seem relevant. Because mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, it was really about the the technology being the pipes to enable the great thought leadership that you had created um, to be in the hands of and in the minds of uh, the the clinical leaders that really needed to to understand it. So it was really um, a great time in my career uh, to to really deepen the understanding of what nurses and clinicians need, as well as uh, to make sure that technology that we were delivering. Uh, wasn't technology for technology's sake, but it was really about the the patient, the clinician first and foremost. Yeah. And you know, it's always so special when you run into somebody like you, Bruce, right? Who's in a sales executive position and they get it. (laughs) (laughs) That makes us a fan automatically. (laughs) Well, I'm also not a good enough salesperson to convince somebody to buy something that they don't really benefit from or need. So um, it was really easy for me to, to just open the door for, um, for Michelle and and the rest of the folks um, from the clinical Mm -hmm. team to be able to just explain what, what the benefits were. And then I would just shut up and stay out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and you and I met in Nashville. 
when we came to That's... talk to you, when we first were first even thinking about starting a business of our own, and it yeah. was just such a special opportunity to meet you. Michelle had told me so much about you, and just we just really um, saw you as a trusted advisor, somebody that would you know kind of help us think through the things that we needed to consider as we were really getting ready to launch a business. That was a special time. I, I think it was around 2015 or so. And, uh, and I was working, helping to run a, a healthcare venture fund, investing in digital health and uh, had met a lot of different entrepreneurs and really gotten a deep understanding of their motivations and how they saw the business opportunity and, um, where they saw the industry going. And I tell you, um, when, when y'all came and, and we met, you checked all the boxes of what I think um, great entrepreneurs need to have, which is, you know, a deep understanding of what you're getting yourself selves into in terms of the problem or opportunity that you want to solve or meet, uh, as well as a, a deep passion um, for what you were trying to accomplish. And it, it, it just, uh, the moment I met you, Tracy, and, and of course, knowing Michelle, I knew that this venture was going to be special. And uh, what you've built with Missing Logic is, is really, really important work. And I'm just so proud uh, of what you've accomplished to date. And frankly, knowing that you're really just getting started, I'm very excited about what's to come. Yeah. Oh, we are too. We are too. We are too. Well, you know, Bruce, uh, Tracy and I work with healthcare leaders all across the country, and many of the guests that we've had on the podcast have shared that there's been some silver linings that have come out of COVID. And um, there's actually been hope because of some things that have happened and barriers that are coming down. And one that's really obvious to everyone is telehealth. I mean, telehealth has exploded during COVID. And um, we just think it's a sign. We think it's a sign that we need to pay attention to. Well, to go back to our intro, we've done a lot of work on the practice and technology polarity for years. So there's almost like a new thing emerging right now um, with everyone ready to embrace virtual care and experience some of the many benefits of virtual care. So share with our listeners what you're doing now and what you see as opportunities for virtual care at this time in our history. Define it too, Bruce, so oh, yeah. everybody knows exactly what we mean when we say that. Sure. Well, first of all, I think the definition of virtual care is pretty simple. Virtual care is healthcare, but it's healthcare that is um, delivered in a way that eliminates many of the traditional geographical and socioeconomic boundaries that have historically limited access to quality healthcare for everyone. And, and so when you think about virtual care, I, clearly it's evolving and it's a, it's a new uh, concept that uh, the terms and the words really matter. And, and so maybe we should break that down a little bit because when we talk about virtual care, often uh, other words like telemedicine, telehealth, digital health all get lumped in together. Um, but I think that there are some, some really specific uh, differences and foundational understandings that we should probably align around when we talk about virtual health. Because I, I think first and foremost, I think we've all through coming out of the pandemic, I, I think everybody has has tried a, a, a telehealth visit, which is a virtual visit um, that is you know clinician to patient. And I think we're we're kind of familiar with what that is. That when we think of the word telemedicine, it's slightly different because we generally refer to telemedicine as a clinician to a clinician. Um, so think of it as like a telestroke consult um, among the you know high acuity experts. Um, and those are two examples uh, of, of a lot of what we saw through the pandemic, which was a better version of a one-to-one -one episode of care 
with the patient or with a provider to a provider. More broadly, those are two examples by our definition of, of part of virtual health, which is um, a much broaderly, more broadly defined uh, group that includes those, those two areas of telemedicine, telehealth, um, but also starts to include more digital capabilities that augment and complement that to make, uh, to make virtual care much more longitudinal, longitudinal uh, across the full continuum of care and, and not necessarily just episodic. So if you think about technologies like um, artificial intelligence and, and chatbots and augmented reality and virtual reality and machine learning and uh, lots of other capabilities that fall under the broader umbrella of, of virtual care uh, that really makes, back to the original definition, virtual care truly is healthcare. It's, it's just without the traditional geographical boundaries that, uh, that we know and bricks and mortar that we know. Um, so so I, I view true virtual care as a longitudinal relational uh, platform that integrates care uh, and builds off of what we've started out of the pandemic, which is more episodic transactional virtual visits uh, in specific uh, episodes of care. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it. It's like, it's, well, I love the holistic piece of that. Right. And yes. it's in the moment, but over time, right. As needed, right. Everybody needs the both end of the, the episodic and the continuum of care. And I think that's a great way to describe it, Bruce. Yeah. And that it's healthcare. I mm-hmm. just love that because mm-hmm. it doesn't make it seem like something way out there. That's not, you know, difficult to understand. You're delivering healthcare. Yeah. It's just different from the tradition, yeah. right? Of yeah. brick and mortar. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you, you, you know, when you got sick, you went to the doctor's office and we all did that before COVID, like pretty much, right? That's mm-hmm. where we were seen and COVID opened the doors for this virtual kind of visit. Right. Um, and you still, if you're going to have procedures or you're going to have other things, you know, there are, you're going to need to go to a location where the equipment is available, where the experts are available. Um, but, you know, in our conversations over the last month and really kind of exploring this and peeling back the layers, right? It's kind of like that, right? It's a realization, right, Bruce, that this is a both and not an either or. And so, Tell our listeners a little bit about your perspective around that, how you kind of came to that, that, that place of knowing that this is a both and. Sure. Well, it really comes back to lessons that we've learned from other industries and lessons that we've seen that came out of the pandemic. So a couple of things that were obvious coming out of the pandemic as people tried virtual care or telemedicine visits for the first time, um, providers told us, hey, we now know that virtual care is good quality care. And in many cases, actually better quality um, for certain conditions and certain situations like behavioral health, dermatology. Um, it's actually a better episode of care. Um, so they, they got great confidence in the quality uh, of the care that they were able to deliver virtually. And at the same time, the consumers, and I specifically say consumer and not the patient, but the, the, the person on the receiving end of care um, all of a sudden had a door opened uh, to how convenient virtual care can be. And, and I think that what we've learned is having that optionality. Um, now, it, we, we have to, for any given situation, virtual care is not always appropriate and it's not always the right answer or it's not always the preferred choice um, for a consumer. And so I think it's really critical that we take a look and, 
and defer to the clinical appropriateness based on the guidance of the physician and the care team and the personal preferences based on all of the factors that the consumer may have and, and make sure that we have the optionality. And it may be that uh, ultimately uh, for some visits, someone may opt in to choose to for an in-person visit or for some conditions, they may choose to manage it all virtually. And, it, and it's going to vary by person and by provider based on what works for them. And I think that's really where the polarity comes in is if we, if we approach virtual care as an alternative, as the alternative to in-person care, we're going to miss the mark. But if we also stick our head in the sand and say, oh, great, now that the pandemic's over, we can go back to how we've always done it, send them over to, to the sit in the office building for two hours waiting for me, you know, that's not going to work either. So it's really finding the harmonious balance of the two, which is why the framework that, that you've brought to healthcare is so critical because um, finding the, the right balance of in-person care and virtual care is so critical as we start to look forward as to where the industry goes from here. Yeah. You know, um, it, it just makes me think too, you know, we know with every polarity, right? Every both and interdependent pair, there are positive outcomes of both, right? So you mentioned a couple, just the convenience, having options, but what, what do you see as some other benefits, Bruce, of the virtual care piece? Yeah. So the virtual care piece, if you think about it from the provider and the health system lens first, you know, there are many challenges that these organizations have been struggling with for quite some time. How do we move from fee for service into value-based care? How do we deal with health inequities? How do we, uh, particularly coming out of COVID, how do we deal with clinician burnout, which has been an issue for quite a while, but um, amplified now? You know, how do we shift commercial market share in a competitive market? How do we uh, deliver care in a way that um, where we can deliver uh, care that's profitable at government rates. So as you start thinking about these broader strategic imperatives that health systems have, I think there's a great opportunity to look at virtual care as a unique enabler to make, uh, to, to address those ongoing challenges that we've had as an industry for quite some time in new ways. And, um, and by, you know, providing better information about a consumer and their preferences uh, and their condition and be able to meet them where they are. Um, whether it be in the home, uh, on the go, in their office, uh, it, having that that flexibility and optionality, I think, is really significant as we start thinking about consumerism and healthcare and how do we address the other strategic imperatives that we have and where virtual care changes the rules of the game. Yeah, and, and what about the risks? You know, we think about this if we don't do this, like, you know, if we miss the mark and we slide back, right, and we, we don't expand on this opportunity for virtual care, what, what's at risk from an individual, a healthcare perspective? So about the risks associated with not executing effectively on virtual care strategies, yeah. I think we run the risk that we further fragment an already fragmented healthcare system, where virtual care has an opportunity actually to become a unifying uh, force as we look across the full continuum of care, particularly for health systems right now, though, they're at risk of being disintermediated as they get pushed further downstream, uh, becoming a price taker uh, with a tower of ICUs and, uh, and, and a trauma center, uh, while others who understand the consumer very well uh, and have deep pockets are building consumer relationships, whether it be big tech companies, big retailers, uh, 
other payers uh, or, or other new entrants that are coming into that space. And if you look at it from the local health system perspective, um, it, it represents a, a transformational opportunity if they can execute well or an existential threat as they get further disintermediated. We know that in-person care will likely, especially the high acuity in-person care will always be delivered uh, in, in a hospital setting. But how do we leverage that to really be um, much more engaged in, in people before with in people meeting them where they are before they're sick enough uh, to, to need to be a patient and need to be in, in, in an ICU. How do we prevent that from happening in the first place? And that's really what the consumers are looking for is someone who knows me, who can hyper-personalize my experience. I don't mm-hmm. want yet another episode of care with a fragmented provider that isn't connected to my health and to my mm-hmm. health journey and, and who I am. And it's really the local providers who, who offer that. Um, and so I think for local providers to be able to embrace virtual care and, and as a companion and an integrated part of just another way to deliver in-person care as well, um, and to know that consumer, uh, I think is really mm-hmm. critical. All right, we are about halfway through this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And we want to take a moment to share that we are very excited about a new program we've released. Let's face it, you and your teams have been through some incredibly stressful times, and it's challenging to know how to support the team and still take care of yourself in the process. We help healthcare leaders become thriving, resilient, and unstoppable leaders. We've recently created a new self-study program titled Caring for Others Without Neglecting You. In this self-study, you will begin to develop polarity intelligence to leverage the tension in your life and create your own personalized strategy for balancing caring for your team and you. Go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and enroll today. Well, that that just begs another question then because of the, the opportunity and also the risk how important is it that healthcare organizations and systems are intentionally, strategically balancing how they are going to provide in-person care and virtual care at this time in history? And, you know, what are you hearing out there um, as that being a strategic priority? Yeah, well, it certainly is a strategic priority. And, and let's, let's take a, a quick uh, look at another industry that we're all familiar with um, in retail. So if you think about the need to balance physical and virtual, um, what happened in retail when Amazon came in with a digital first experience that clearly caught a lot of consumers' imaginations? Um, what, has, what have they subsequently done? Uh, they've bought Whole Foods. They have Amazon Go stores. They have bookstores. So they've moved into bricks and mortar. So the other side of that is look at what the incumbents, the bricks and mortar incumbent retailers uh, have done and what we can learn from that. Because some have actually really embraced what the digital capabilities are that they could build on top of and, and integrated with their bricks and mortar incumbency. And so if you look at Target, Walmart, Home Depot, they've done exceedingly well over the last several years. By contrast, if you look at those that were laggards uh, or were ineffective in implementing digital strategies, Target, or I'm sorry, uh, JCPenney, Kmart, Sears, mm-hmm. it really accelerated their demise. And, and so I would tell you, as, a, as an incumbent provider, there's a tremendous opportunity to lean in and, and to be in control of your future as it relates to how you embrace digital um, with a holistic approach, integrating mm-hmm. not only 
um, looking at the whole person and what their needs are and, and what that consumer's needs are, not only when they're sick enough to be a patient, but all the time when they're um, the 99.9% .9 of the time when they're not in the doctor's office and not in the hospital, how do you meet them where they are to engage in helping them with a healthier journey? And so it's really critical um, that, that health systems you know, look beyond uh, what they're, they've traditionally done. And it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity if they can execute a, truly a transformational opportunity and uh, gives them control over their future uh, in a way that I think if you look at other industries, um, I, think, I think we understand what's possible and what the risks are. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think what you're bringing up too is that polarity of continuity and transformation. Right. There are things that we yep. need to hold on to. Yeah. Right. And then if you want to transform and stay relevant in the current day, you have to take the steps to transform and to mm -hmm. embrace this new, um, you know, way of delivering care. And well, it's not really new, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been around for a while. Right. Um, well, but go ahead. It's a new way of thinking about it, though. I, I, yeah. I think I think what's possible now um, with virtual care, frankly, from a technology, from a elimination of the, the regulatory and financial barriers that have historically limited access to care, as well as the consumer expectation, which I think is probably the most profound change mm -hmm. is, yeah. you know, especially coming out of COVID. I expect that healthcare is going to meet me where I am the same way every other area of my life has been simplified. I expect healthcare to become simplified. And frankly, if, if we as the incumbents in the industry don't do it, someone else is going to. Um, because I, I think we've learned that um, that healthcare needs to change, and, and yes. I think we're at a unique point now where all the pieces are in place for it to happen. I feel like historically, you know, I look back, Michelle, when we talk about our time together uh, at Eclipsis, it, it, it feels like we've spent most of our careers shuffling deck chairs in the Titanic because the underlying issues of the industry have have fundamentally not changed. But if you yeah. look at what's happening now with the underlying payment models uh, and and the consumer expectations, we really are at a very unique point where lots of things are possible that were not possible um, over the over the past several years. Well, and I think that's the benefit of COVID, if there is yes, one, right? It, it pushes you to make the changes that are necessary. You know that that weren't. Um, you know, they just we didn't have the priority of them. Right. And we let everything else get in the way. And it's kind of that impetus. It's that little shove, you know, like I'd like to say a little shove from the universe, <laughs> <laughs> clearing the way to That's say, right. okay, enough is enough. Let's move forward with this. Right. It's just that opportunity opens up that wouldn't be there without a crisis, without the necessity of it. Like we had to do it. There wasn't any talking about it, right? This is, if we're going to deliver exactly. care, this exactly. is how we're going to have to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and then, it, then you get to see the benefits and, and all of that as a result of it. So I think, I think things like this happen for those reasons, right? We have to get out of our own way. And when you think about it with, you know, healthcare executives today, like I think there's probably a lot of them that are, you know, aware of what you're saying. They see that this is a necessary step. They want to transform, but they don't necessarily know what's the next thing. How do I do this? Like what advice would you give them or what have you learned would be some really important things for, you know, executives to be considering if they're going to take this on and transform their organizations mm -hmm. with the both and thinking here. 
Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think it, it really underscores the importance of polarity thinking and looking at um, how virtual care and in-person care need to harmonize and find the right balance and, and to provide the optionality that both providers and, and consumers will be demanding coming coming out of, of COVID. And, and properly executed, as we discussed earlier, it, it's really a, a, an important strategic imperative. And to start with, as I mentioned, we, we really need to look at this is not a separate exercise. What are your strategic imperatives? Don't, don't say implementing virtual care is my strategic imperative. It is an enabler to help you achieve your strategic imperatives. So if you, if you look at that with a new lens and looking at virtual care, I think, I think it's on, it's imparent, uh, it's imperative that we look at all of the legacy investments that have been made to date that people thought of when they said we're doing telehealth, especially those that were, you know, stood up in a matter of weeks at the beginning of the pandemic because you had to. I think that there's a lot that needs to be done now as we have proliferated a lot more silos of care with, with different digital interactions with consumers or patients or providers. And, and I think it's time to take account uh, of, of what do we have and what will serve us well to get us where we need to be two years, five years from now? And what do we need to reevaluate so that we have one integrated approach, one integrated platform across all of our needs for virtual care? And I'm not talking about the EMR. I'm talking about something that is centered on the consumer and meeting people where they are you know, out living with chronic conditions on the go or having care in the home or ambulatory visits in the office or intensive care in the ICU or anything in between. And, and to have one single platform that knows that consumer wherever they are as they improve or deteriorate throughout their health journey, not just with an episode of care, but over the longitudinal life that they will have, um, whether they're living with a chronic condition or they're just aging in place or, uh, or they have you know, a, a critical you know, sentinel event, whatever it is, we all improve or deteriorate. And what we're looking for are partners to align with us in our health journey and be with us the whole time, not just mm -hmm. be with me for a quick, you know, 30 second telemedicine visit yeah. or a quick in-person checkup. Um, I want you to know me and I want you to anticipate what I might need, not only when I'm sick, but how do you help me from getting sick? How do you help me to stay well? And, and I need a partner in health. And that's the tremendous opportunity that, that we all face. And, um, uh, and, and striking the right balance of recognizing that virtual care alone does not solve for that. Right. In-person care alone does not solve for that. It's the, it's the marriage of the two. And, and it's only local health systems and local providers that can really drive that uh, to, to have that right balance. And, and so a big part of what we're focused on is how do we lean in recognizing, you know, the expectations of consumers, of employers, of health plans, of the government, you know, how do we lean in and, and reimagine what's possible with virtual and in person in an integrated approach? Wow. So much to think about, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I'm, it's so exciting. It is right? exciting. It I, just, it's really exciting. And I think, you know, you're just speaking to our hearts because yeah. we've always been about know my story, mm -hmm. holistic care, right? Uh, across the continuum, coordinated, coordinated, exactly, right? And uh, meeting 
meeting the consumer where they're at and what their needs are. And it's just that whole partner and care yeah. uh, that I, and I think it's just becoming more and more important and more and more prevalent around the consumers that, that, you know, we're kind of moving beyond how we thought about <clears throat> healthcare as consumers in the past, right? Where you went in, the doctor told you what to do and you just did it, right? Like we're knowledgeable now. We know what we need. We know more, right? Than we've ever known before about our own health and we're articulating it mm-hmm. more effectively and we're asking for what we need to your point, Bruce, right? We're, we're really asking for what we need. And it's that relationship piece, I think, that that's going to be equally important. And I think the virtual care can, in some mm-hmm. ways, um, you know, enhance that because of the ongoing connection and that continuum. Yeah, if I could build on that, Tracy, because I, I think it's humanly impossible, especially as we have a tsunami of new clinical data, um, whether it be from wearables or sensors or monitors, uh, as well as what people are re- reading on the internet, there's a tsunami of new information that's coming in that is humanly impossible for providers to be able to to, to keep up with the way we have in the past. So underlying all of this need, when we talk about virtual care, underlying all of this has to be really sophisticated data science that, that takes all of those health signals and understand, aggregates it and interprets it in a way that we understand what that means and then apply it in the form of, of nudges or just in time uh, mm-hmm. information insights um, to, to the patient, the consumer, the provider, um, and, and then iterates as we learn based on what personal preferences are. And it's, it's really how we can hyper-personalize a consumer experience that becomes scalable. And because I know if we try to provide the level of care that we all seek to provide with that, I want you to know me, I want you to be with me in my, my whole uh, journey. You can't do that if it was only in-person care. You need to have a virtual component, not just um, for the, the interaction of, of a virtual visit, but for the underlying data science that allows me to know what what might be happening, what and how do I prevent a sentinel event from happening? And how do I know to address that, whether it means that I need to come see you because I have to lay hands on you, or hey, I just need to continue to monitor this virtually, and I'll our care managers will let you know when something is out of bounds and when it is time for us to have a virtual or a physical visit. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's really the critical part is to have the optionality of of meeting each consumer where they are with what their needs are, and allow each provider to be in charge of dictating how and when and where care gets delivered. Yeah. 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 Preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bruce, thanks so much for sharing. You know, just you have such a wealth of knowledge and understanding of of what's happening in this space right now. It's so appreciative for you to share that with our listeners. And before we wrap up, though, we want to kind of get to know Bruce on a personal level, right? Yes. All listeners want to (laughs) know Bruce. So I'm going to ask you or Michelle and I are going to ask you. You know, just a few questions and uh, just to kind of get to know the personal side of you, just relax. They're not anything that's, you know, you got to really know a lot. You just got to know yourself a little bit. <laughs> that's so, that's a deep thought right there. Yeah. Well, hey, here we go. All right. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So the first question is, who is the wisest person you ever met? Ooh. I would be remiss if I didn't say my wife. Oh, smart man. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer, Bruce. (laughs) I I will tell you, um, when I look back across um, my career, as well as um, 
the evolution of my personal life. We met in college and, um, and she, uh, even not being a healthcare person at all, um, she carries a, a deep wisdom in, in knowing people and knowing situations and, and, and at her heart, uh, knowing what the right thing is to do. And so I, I rely on her wisdom. Probably, probably don't act on it as much as I should, but I do rely on it. <laughs> well, that was great. Great, that was great. A great answer. Okay, so here's another one. What is one habit you want to start or stop? Ooh. I would tell you that I need to live a healthier lifestyle and start practicing what I preach about uh, exercising more and uh, and eating healthier. Um, as I get older, I'm starting to become more and more aware that things that I took for granted with good metabolism uh, and good flexibility <laughs> and everything else is, is not what it used to be. So um, so that is uh, that, that is one thing that I need to get better at uh, and, mm. and commit to. Yeah, and well... <laughs> We know the story. <laughs> I was going to say, we're in the same club. Oh, yeah, we're in the same club. Things don't work the way they used to. Or they don't bend the way they used to. <laughs> I, yeah, my, my back has been hurting today because I bent over to pick up a pile of leaves yesterday. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where we are now. Yep. That's right. That's, That's okay. right. All right. We're going to turn the tables, really, uh, on you now. So you have an opportunity to ask us. One curiosity question to us. What would that question be about to us that you're curious about? So I'm going to put it in the context of having known you for quite some some time and seen okay. the entrepreneurs that you are. If you had your careers to do over again, what would you do differently? And would you have gone out on your own to do something entrepreneurial, like what you're doing now with Missing Logic, would you have done it earlier or would you have waited until you were ready for this moment? Great question. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I believe everything happens at the time it's supposed to happen. So I think we started planting the seeds before we ever took the entrepreneurial journey, like years before, Tracy and I started doing legacy planning. So you can look back now and see the seeds we're planting, the seeds we're planting, the seeds we're planting. Um, and I think at the time of our lives, when we made the shift, it was, it was the right time. And now I even think with what's happening in healthcare and how healthcare needs polarity intelligence more than ever, I think the timing is just right for us to show up and do what we do. So... I, I think it was, I think it was divine timing. <laughs> what well, would you say? Well, what I would say is I wouldn't change anything leading up to the point because I think it was living, it was the lived experiences that we had yes. that make us so knowledgeable today about what's needed in healthcare. So I wouldn't change any of that, all of that experience. But I would say, I think I, I held on to something I highly valued um, longer than it, I was able to actually live it. Right. That's so I was true. in an organization mm -hmm. that had moved away from the things that I valued deeply that were extremely important to me and what I wanted to contribute. And I think I held on a little longer, hoping things would change, right. Hoping that, um, things would come back around. And I, so I, I would have jumped a little bit sooner, I think, knowing what I know now and clear on what we're bringing. I think I would have left a little earlier. 
Well, I'm just glad you didn't wait any longer than you did, because I do think that the industry as a whole um, really benefits from the framework that you're bringing to healthcare to, to understand how to solve problems in ways that uh, we've never been able to address before and, wow. and to see the opportunities that exist in polarities. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank Thanks. you. And we have one wrap up question. So we know you know about polarities and that it's totally natural for everyone to have a preference poll. So we're going to share a, a polarity with you and we want you to share with us what, what side you lean more towards. Okay. Okay. So here's the polarity. We've already mentioned it once on our podcast today. Continuity and transformation. Do you prefer one over the other? Well, I think you both know me well enough to know that uh, I, I'm much more of a transformation guy, uh, challenging the status quo and, and questioning why have we always done it this way. So mm-hmm. um, I, and the main reason I highlight that is I've seen what's happened in other industries. Yeah. And I know that if we don't do it to ourselves, someone's going to do it to us here in healthcare. And, and so, um, so that's why I, I think by nature lean toward uh, let's, let's not, let's make sure that we don't become uh, Kodak in a digital film mm-hmm. or your know, virtual photography yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No not doubt. surprising to us at all. No, because <laughs> that's where we sit too. <laughs> like attracts like. Oh, well, Bruce, this is a great interview. Thank you so much. Um, This is just thrilling. And um, I want to just share one of my key takeaways from today is the word optionality. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You said it several times. I I even wrote it down a couple of times, like optionality. And there's a lot of power in having optionality. So I, that's one of my key takeaways. It's a, it's a new word. I don't think I've ever used that word optionality before. (laughs) Uh oh! Oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> well, and I would say I think just um, right when you started out with virtual care is healthcare, and I think that that's just that is the perfect way to look at it, yeah. and I think it's really um, what's needed. People need that lens to see it that way. So thanks for bringing that today. Well, thank you. And, and uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And when I look at the guests that have preceded me, I am truly honored uh, that you invited me to uh, have this conversation. So thank you so yeah. much and uh, best best of success uh, going forward. I, I really am excited about what you're doing and I'm excited about further defining how we embrace the polarities of in-person care and virtual care and, and your thought leadership on this, I think will serve the industry very well. Wow. Uh. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Bruce. Yeah, what a wonderful interview. And for all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in again. And we'll see you next time on Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yep, see you next time. Bye. Thank you, ladies. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.